ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Auto Trader podcast, South Africa's number one motoring podcast. My name is George Mini, as usual, and joined by none other than Wandile Sishi. How's it, Wandi? Hey, how's it going, George? In the house again, in the studio, finally. We've been waiting to get back, so yeah, it's good to be here. It's on again and off again. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, South Africa's craziness. It's on, going, on again, off again. I'll say it. Load shedding. You said it's, you know, it's kind of the, a curse word around here, but it's, you know, it's okay. I wonder if ESCOM's going to have any Black Friday deals. <laughs> I'm sure they will. <laughs> Not the kind of yes you're thinking, but uh, I'm sure they will have some sort hey? of Black Friday deals. Maybe on Friday we'll all be in darkness, <laughs> Friday night. <laughs> Um, Anyway, so just a reminder to everybody listening, um, our podcast airs weekly on Mondays at 9 a.m. If you can't join us at that time, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite um, uh, platform, either YouTube, which is probably the best place if you really want to see Wandi and my faces, Mm -hmm. um, um, to get the full version. And uh, other than that, you can download it from uh, Apple Podcasts um, or any podcast platform platform for that matter yeah. remember to hit the like and subscribe button uh, so that you can get these very cool episodes so today's episode is called the mclaren episode yeah. um uh, or should i should i call it the daytona episode i think you can call it both, both. um i think okay. daytona is probably more appropriate um but i mean we'll be speaking a lot about mclaren well, McLaren, in the, I mean, look at this cool car that's here. Yeah, yeah, yeah stunning. Very cool. Stunning. Anyway, so uh, the legendary supercar OEM, uh, Daytona, South Africa, um, um, is uh, is in studio with us. And in uh, recent months, we've had an opportunity to sit with many OEMs yeah. and uh, leaders in the automotive space to understand how they're navigating this ever-changing automotive market. And uh, we continue this trend today, Wendy and I, with uh, John Whittle. Welcome, John. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, John is the assistant brand director for uh, Daytona South Africa and uh, in this particular hat that he's wearing today, McLaren, which you know, studio, yeah. you just kind of like got to stop talking when you look at this car. <laughs> well, you've got the McLaren hat. Uh, got the <laughs> yeah, technically speaking, yeah, it's true. Thank you. <laughs> I'm uh, like, this is, you know, probably the closest I'm going to get to driving that car every day. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, this is, this is going to be, uh, it's going to be put in a special place, I think. Um, uh, nonetheless, uh, John is uh, assistant brand director for McLaren South Africa and uh, has the challenging job of uh, selling these multi-million rand cars. So, um, yeah. so first of all, John, uh, welcome to the Auto Trader podcast. First time being here. First time being here. Lovely to have you. Absolutely awesome lovely to, to have you. Yeah. Um, um, let's uh, let's kick off our our interview uh, with a couple of quick fire questions. So you know, if you could kind of like whatever comes to mind first, that uh, that's the answer. So, what do you prefer, winter or summer? Winter. Burger um, or steak? Burger. Book or movie? Book. Uh, in terms of holiday, bush or beach? Beach. In terms of car, ice, battery, electric, or hybrid? Hybrid. <laughs> Safe. It's kind of like uh, lets me leads me to believe that uh, the last question on the list is going to be answered in a particular way. Um, anyway, what is your first car? My first car was a Honda Ballard. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, what do you currently drive? I currently have a Mini Cooper S. A Mini Cooper S. I'm pretty sure that car stands still a lot of the time when you drive these things around. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, so John, just to kind of like. Uh, um, get into your career so far. Um, how did your career begin in automotive? A little birdie told me that you were a motoring journalist. I was. <laughs> so I've been back and forth and in and out and roundabout in many different 
sort of um, areas in the motoring industry. Um, but yeah, initially I started at a company, um, basically a PR agency for the motoring industry. Mm. And I was a media monitor, so it was my task to skim through all of the print media that would get released every week and every month, and then input our clients' details into a system. And they were then provided with reports based on that. So I started off as a media monitor. Oh, wow. But and always in automotive. You never were like... Always in automotive. Okay. So first love is, has been cars, basically. First love. Um, yeah. So started off doing that. And then from that, um, ventured into television. Worked as a production assistant for a very well-known TV, TV show. And um, from there, started meeting motoring journalists. Realized that's what I actually wanted to do. And just through the right people, knowing the right people, connections, I managed to work my way into a job as a writer. Mm. Started writing about cars and on the back of that also started managing social media for car dealerships. And those two car dealerships happened to be owned by Daytona. So that was how I got to know the Daytona group. And fast forward a few years, landed up in sales at Daytona. Sales was not my gig, um, really didn't enjoy it, um, so that was a very brief stint, and then went back to marketing for car dealerships, and came back to Daytona managing some marketing stuff, and then left Daytona, and yeah, and then um, earlier this year, came back to the Daytona team, and yeah, I'm now back, not doing sales, and doing a little bit of marketing here and there. Okay, okay. So when we said uh, you, your job is to sell these multi-million rand cars, it's probably a little bit little bit wider than that. Yeah. yeah. Everything's for sale, and we all sell. So <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. My cap's not for sale. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, uh, uh, so, so um, you know, tell me a little bit about um, kind of your, um, your career now at Daytona, because Daytona is a, you know, multi-franchise um, business, you know, mm. you think of Daytona. It's effectively not an independent dealership. It is an OEM importer, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so Daytona are the sole importers of the brands that we bring in, um, at least in South Africa. Which so, brands are those? McLaren. So we've got Aston Martin, McLaren, Rolls Royce, Pagani, Koenigsegg, and soon to be Lotus. Mm. Oh wow. Um, yeah. So we've got a very broad spectrum of brands, which the majority of which happen to be British brands. Um, I think that was coincidental more than anything. Mm. Um, and then additionally, we've also got Daytona luxury cars. So, um, those are sort of high end cars. Lots of them are trade ins. Um, what you're like kind of close to a million, just over a million rand cars? Uh, a little bit more than that. Okay. Um, so sort of AMG GTs, okay. few Ferraris, that sort of thing. And then we also have Daytona Direct, which is our new sort of side of the business. And those are sort of the million to two to three million rand kind of cars. So, um, sort of lots of AMGs, Range Rovers, those mm. sorts of things. So yeah, we sort of cater to everyone. Um, we've got such a broad business. And yeah, it's really exciting. And your and your role specifically on the supercar side. So my role is sort of all encompassing. I I sort of branch across all of the brands and sort of fit in and help and do whatever I need to do whenever. So when we've got marketing activations for a particular brand, I'll get involved there and assist the marketing team. Um, lots of sort of customer experience. Um, so just helping with deliveries and tailoring a sort of a thing to a customer, um, and then engaging with media like we're doing. So, interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, we're going we're gonna to get into some of those details uh, in a second, but let's talk specifically about McLaren uh, for a second, if you don't mind, um, and its success in South Africa. So now, um, uh, you know, 
The South African region is considered uh, one of the most, well, the most successful region in Africa, uh, um, and um, and you know maybe even becoming you know most successful globally, um, <laughs> with a car park of about a hundred of these vehicles um, at the moment. Um, take us through why you believe South Africa has taken to you know these, well, particularly McLaren and uh, and the supercar brand brands. Cool. So. Um yeah, well, McLaren's an interesting one because it's not it's not a brand that has as rich a history as Ferrari, for example. Yeah. Um, but what I always love sort of explaining to people about McLaren is that, of course, there was a McLaren F1 and Gordon Murray, South African. Um, that was that was an amazing story, and that was born out of Formula One. Um, then there was a bit of a hiatus, and there was the SLR McLaren, which was a bit of a partnership with Mercedes, but. Um, you know, that happened. And then fast forward to 2011. Wasn't that in the time of McLaren Mercedes, the F1 team? It was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Gordon Murray was brought in to consult on that project. And they sort of, they gave him a Mercedes template. And they said, right, please make a McLaren within this Mercedes template. Ah, okay. Is that the SLR so McLaren? That's or was the SLR that? McLaren. Okay. So, he, he has openly said that he wasn't too keen on that car. But that's a different story for a different day. Um, Which year model was that? Um, that was 2002. Yeah, it's pretty old. No, no, you know what? You got the, you got the, I think it was a 19, 1998, 2002, 2010, and 2018 SLRs. And I still think the 2002 was the best of the lot. Which was the McLaren. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. Um, it's one of the most iconic cars ever. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a motorsport fan through and through. And Mercedes and McLaren have always been my first loves. And no, I don't lie. Hamilton is. Is at the sense of exactly that. Um, so, yeah. I mean, so, if, it's, so if Hamilton goes to McLaren? I mean, he was there at one point. So, you know, um, he's been there, done that, won the championship with them. Oh, my word. Um, yeah. There we go. Don't so mind we continue. Him. Don't mind him. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so like if he wins this year, it's going to be, it's going to be. You're never going to hear the end of it, honestly. You're never ever going to hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John. Um, Carry on. Yeah, so to, to answer your question, I think what was so cool about McLaren is that essentially in 2011, they, while they had some sort of pedigree and heritage and everything, they started with a completely clean slate aside from a brand name. Mm. And off the bat with, with MP412C, we made a car that was on a level with something like a Ferrari 458 and was faster than a 458, more comfortable than a 458, yeah. a little bit more clinical. But as a product, it was incredible. And that sort of set the tone for what was to come from McLaren. Mm. And from that, we've just gone from strength to strength to strength. Um, and yeah, I think what's really cool about McLaren as a brand is that they do offer something completely different to something like a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Um, Ferrari's got a very luxurious lifestyle kind of edge to it, whereas McLaren is very much focused on racing mm. um, and the driver experience and what the car feels like for the driver. Um, so yeah, it's it's got a different appeal. You know, the English are quite different to the Italians as people. Yeah, so, but I mean, the GT compared to, for instance, the 720S, completely different machine i mean when i went inside of this it looks completely different to the 720 yeah it's so a they, lot more comfortable it's a lot more for a different kind of consumer yeah so so that was kind of the goal with the gt was to make a car that could be used every day as a daily even though every mclaren can be used as a daily i always say to people when when they say you know what what's your favorite thing about a mclaren my favorite thing about a mclaren is how comfortable they are mm. all of them 
Is that, is that an unknown fact that they are comfortable? I think it's, a lot of it has to do with perception. So someone will look at a McLaren and think, oh, it's a supercar. Well, it is a supercar, but not all supercars have to be uncomfortable. Well, that, well that's my recollection of the supercar five, ten years ago. Is true. You know, uh, what was that Ferrari that had kind of like a wire to open the door? Um, uh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, 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 you know... You know, being inside this car, it's 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 kind of like a, a regular car, if you want to call it a regular car, but with that kind of spaceship feel. Mm. So, I agree with you. I think what McLaren did was originally with MP412C already they had a car that had incredible suspension tech, so it had fully hydraulic suspension, which meant that um, it would just float over everything. You, I don't know if you ever saw the Jeremy Clarkson review on Top Gear. And he spoke about how incredibly mm. comfortable the car was and how it just floated over everything. He said it was more comfortable than a Phantom. It's not, but almost. Um, and what they did was they then took that and with GT, they just turned everything up to like 11. So it's even more comfortable. It's even softer. Um, yeah. it's got, it's got incredible visibility. So as a, as a car to drive every day, you really can. It's got a very low, the base of the windscreen sits very low so you can see the road in front of you. You can see out the rear view mirrors. Um, it's just, it's easy to drive. Yeah. And then on top of that, you've got the added practicality of 570 liters of boot space. Yeah. Which is, what? Well, it's, it's unheard of. It's like, it's more than a golf. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and, and the fruit of the frunk has got even more. Yeah, exactly. Um, is that 570 including the, the, the frunk? Yeah. Okay. So it's the, the two the spaces two together. combined. Yeah. Um, and then what they've also done with GT is that just all these little really smart things that they focused on. So obviously driving a supercar as a daily thing, you've got speed bumps. And sure, everything comes with a lift kit, as does this. But even without the lift kit, the nose, the, the clearance is enough for you to get over speed bumps. So you don't have to slow down and then raise the nose every you time. Go sideways. Oh, exactly. And like turn. Because you're not so, from, not from uh, you know, the East Rand. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'm not. Um, <laughs> I am. <laughs> not that kind of strand though. But um, yeah, so the ground clearance on a on a GT is the same as a C class, which yeah. is like a perfectly usable daily. And you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't say that. I think just the way the car is built makes it look a lot lower and flatter. Yeah, it's just the proportions. Yeah, it is longer and though than it, like most. It, it's not. It's long, but it's not it's not much longer than something like a C class. Yeah, I mean it's not like a like a, a bucky long, but it's I mean it's it's long. <laughs> There's a limit to how long they can make cars, eh? Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise it wouldn't fit into most people's garages or parking spaces. Or yeah. Parking spaces. So so there is a limit. I mean I don't know if you know the railroad uh, track analogy. No, never ever heard it. So railroad tracks, yeah. like a little bit of a sideshow, but uh, uh, railroad track width, railroad track widths are four feet, eight and a half inches. Always. Always. All over the world, four feet, eight and a half inches. Railroad track width. Where does that come from? I have no idea. Where? It comes from the, 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 the tracks in, from the grooves in, um, from the wagons. Okay. In horse-drawn wagons. Okay. Okay. So those tracks come from yeah. the horse-drawn wagons. So when they built the railroad tracks, it was easy to follow the same route, mm. cheaper to build, because the tracks were effectively already there because the wagons had created the tracks. Mm. Okay. So do you think the wagons created the tracks? 
Well, I think uh, people's... No, I don't... Well... No, I'll give you the answer. Because this will blow your mind. It actually stems back to chariots from the Roman times. Huh. That makes sense. Chariots. You know the war chariots? Yeah. Uh, like the Roman... The wheelbase. Mm. Four feet, eight and a half inches wide. Hmm. Interesting. So, so us as human beings... Creatures of habits. Creatures, well, I mean, you, technology makes sense. They, yeah, yeah. Th- those limitations. We, we create our own limitations. Yeah. So, uh, so cars can only be that long. Don't know how we got into that, but, uh, <laughs> uh, cars can only be that long. Um, so, I mean, this car, I mean, it, it doesn't look that low, but perceptually it is, it looks low, but it isn't low. Let me put it that way. Well, we just know now that it's the same sort same of height as a C class. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and those, those and are the kind of, the, the nuances that McLaren is, is given to people yeah. to make sure that's a daily driver. And a bit wider than a Roman chariot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, so Rob Melville, who, um, who's the designer, he, he's got a very keen eye for sort of tuning different McLaren models to where they fit into the segments as well. So GT is unmistakably a McLaren, but it looks very different to all of the other McLarens. It's a lot softer. It's, it's a lot prettier. I think it's a really pretty looking car. Um, and again, that's just sort of playing to the market that it sits in and the, the sort of buyers that we're targeting. So were, uh, were they trying to create a daily driver here? Yeah. So so the goal and the, the main sort of thing was GT, Grand Tourer. Yeah. Um, so something that you can kind of use every day, but also just travel. Cross country. Yeah, yeah, long distance travel cross country. Um, I've done that in this car and it's, it's amazing. It's efficient. It's comfortable. It's quiet. Um, yeah, it's it's really good at that. And you can also just put lots of things in it mm. because it's got so much sort of space. Light space. Yeah. Yeah. So. So so, how far in advance, uh, you know, do you have to order in order to get one of these cars to South Africa? So that depends on a lot of things. Um, spec is one of the things, um, as well as allocation. So you know what we've been allocated. And whether or not there's a semiconductor shortage. Ah, mm. yeah. so you're looking at in the region of three to six months, um, depending on all of those things. And then, of course, once the car has been built, um, it has to be shipped. So if the customer is really keen and really wants their car, then we'll put it on a plane for them. Um, otherwise, yeah, the car will sit in a shipping container in a cute little set of pajamas. Mm. Um, and how long does that take? Um, yeah, so that that'll sort of be a part of the six months okay. kind of thing. Okay. So, yeah. Well, how long does it take to like for that ship to travel and get through the port? Um, be a couple about of weeks, two or three weeks, two or three weeks. Um, okay. Yeah, and then it may or may not sit in Durban at the port for another two weeks. It, it depends. Yeah. Depends mm-hmm. on how quick the clearing agent is. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. So uh, um, um, so you know. What are the, some of the benefits or, um, you know, challenges when it comes to importing? And, you know, more specifically, uh, you know, people can import cars themselves. I mean, I yeah. can go and approach a manufacturer in, in the UK and say to them, I want a McLaren. Um, please can I import it? Um, you know, first of all, is it, is it cheaper to do it? Like, can I get the car cheaper? Number one. And number two, are there any drawbacks to doing it? Versus going to straight to Daytona and doing it. Versus going to Daytona, for instance. Cool. Yeah, so um, you're right. You can just phone someone and say, hello, I'd like to buy that McLaren and bring it here. I always say, whatever it's going to cost you there, times it by two, 
and then you may or may not get a bit of change from that um, because it's expensive. Importing cars is expensive. We have expensive duties in this country. Getting the car here is expensive. And then once you have the car here, if you don't buy it from someone like Daytona, you then don't have the support. So yeah. what one of the big benefits is that we, we carry warranties um, and the service plans and everything. So if you come and buy a car from us, not only do we cover the, you know, the, the import duties and the fees and everything that's worked into the price of the car, but yeah. then you've also got a service plan and a warranty added onto that afterwards. Um, and that makes a big difference because, yeah, I mean, these, these cars are not cheap to service and fix. No car is cheap to service and fix yeah. out of warranty. And, of course, you know, if you do bring your McLaren to us that we've never seen before, we'll fix it, but we'll charge you for it because... Well, it's not going to be under the service plan, right? Well, exactly yeah. that. Because that service plan resides in another country. Yeah, so so essentially in, in our books it comes in as a used car without warranty. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like you say, that, that service plan and that warranty, they, they sit in another country and they aren't a part of... So you actually lose that value as a result of importing the car yourself. Yeah, you do definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and I suppose, you know, if, if, if we have to talk to cost, I, don't, I mean, I, I'm just really thinking off the top of my head, but um, I would imagine that because of import credits that OEMs in South Africa, importing OEMs in South Africa benefit from, the car actually gets to the consumer in South Africa cheaper through a local imported OEM than it does if you import that car directly because mm. you won't get that import credit. Yeah, that is true. So, look, I, I, this is purely speculation, but um, you look at cars within the VW group. Obviously, we manufacture VWs here. Yes. So, within Volkswagen group, you've obviously got Porsche and Lamborghini and Bentley. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure whether or not that, that affects the pricing of those cars in this country, but I can imagine it might. No, because, I'm sure it does. Because Volkswagen Group give them, you know, import and export credits. Yes. So mm. that would make sense. Whereas, you know, we, we don't have anything within McLaren Group or Aston Martin, Lagonda or Rolls-Royce. We, we've got BMW, but Rolls-Royce in South Africa sits as a separate entity to BMW Group. They are run as two business, different businesses. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, traditionally when people think about McLaren, they think about the F1, Senna, Speedtail, 720S Coupe, 570S Coupe, MP4, 12C. Not that I knew all that because I just read it. <laughs> um, uh, you know, what makes this GT different? Now, you've been explaining the softness, the you know, driver car. But, mm. but if you had to kind of pick one thing that kind of makes this car different to all of those, what would it be? Um. Well, fuel consumption. It's, yeah, fuel <laughs> consumption, definitely. No, it's um, it's the focus. It's the focus is on grand touring and being comfortable and being practical. Um, so th you'll see, like you said, you sit in the cabin. There's more of a focus on luxury as opposed to like racing. Oh, racing. racing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's you know, the, the difference between racing and luxury. It doesn't have to be a question of quality. You know, in, in a 720s, the quality is still impeccable, yeah. but there's a lot more Alcantara, and it's it's a very different environment to what you find there, where there's lots of leather and metal. Mm. Um, you can spec a 720s to have lots of leather and stuff if you would like to, but it'll be quite different to that. And in the same breath, you can also put some Alcantara and racy stuff in your GT. But the whole idea behind the product and what it is is to be comfortable and still a McLaren. So at its core, it is still a McLaren. It still has a carbon fiber monocoque. Yeah. And um, it's got the monocell, monocell 2, which is our sort of carbon fiber monocell. <laughs> and um, 
yeah, it's it's got double wishbones, front and rear, so it's it's a McLaren. Yeah, and uh, um, um, when you you know when you think about this uh, this GT and uh, um, and the like headline numbers um, versus the others, but let's get to the headline numbers of this car first. Uh, top speed, what I mean, what does this thing tap out at? Top speed's three hundred and twenty-six kilometers an hour. Limited, yeah. or limited is that like? Um, yeah, limited. That's sort of like okay. Where yeah. So I can buy this and go 326 tomorrow. You can do it today if you'd like to. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so there's no like set limiter that we, like consumers will be faced with. No. Okay. And, uh, um, you know, horsepower torque. Um, so we're looking at 456 kilowatts. So that's what 620 odd horsepower PS is what McLaren talk about. Yeah. Um, Starkter. And then, um, in terms of torque, we're looking at um, 630 newton meters. Wow! Um, but where it where it differs from other McLaren products is that um, that torque comes in a lot lower down. So it's meant to make the car feel a lot more tractable. It's a lot more drivable in a sort of daily traffic kind of situation because you've got that torque available lower down in the RPM range. And zero to 100? Not to 100, 3.1 seconds. But you were talking about uh, zero to 200. Not to 200 is 9 seconds. Wow. Which is fast. Yeah, that's, that's really faster quick. than some cars get to 100. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's the thing with, with, with these cars at that sort of, with that acceleration. Not to 100 comes up so quickly, it's the not to 200 that actually matters. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's where the numbers just sort of keep climbing. If you keep your foot in it, it's sort of... It's alarming. It's alarming. Really you, you get there very quickly. Um, and a, a prices car, what does, what does it go for? GT starts at 4.8 million rand. Not this base spec. Base spec, but they still come pretty nicely sort of base spec. So still lots of leather, lots of metal, and still the same power, same suspension. Just mm. the, you know, probably the, the added extras and little creature comforts that you're not getting. So you're really just, you're still getting a McLaren. You are. It still comes standard with carbon ceramic brakes, for example. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's more like the fine tuning. What sort of spec? What sort of stitching? What trim you want? Which seats you want? That sort of thing. And uh, um, so, so you were telling me before the before the show there are, there are only three of these in the country. So you know, if it's a creature comfort car and uh, um, you know, and a driver's car, and uh, you know, it's made to be an everyday driver. Um, you know, so m- maybe let's understand how many GTs are there versus other McLarens. In, uh, uh, in, in, in the country. Not, not the exact numbers, but are there less of the GT than there are of, let's say, the 720S? Yeah, so significantly fewer. Why is um, that? I mean, if it's a driver's car, why, why, would, it, uh, why would it be that? Is it, is it just because it's just... I think it's a brand new car, so... Um, not marketed, uh, you know, to catch the attention, because it seems to me like people want the luxury and, yeah. the, and, the, and the speed and raw power. And that's what you get with this. Yeah, you, you are right. Um, I, I think it's a difficult one to put your finger on because... Um, or is it just because it's early days? That, and also, I hate to, you know, sort of go back on this, but COVID and recession, well, not so much recession, but, you know, people have been a little bit cash-strapped, not that that sort of affects this market hugely. Um, but I think it might be that, and I think it also might be because lots of lots of McLaren customers might feel they they want something that's sort of out and out racy, ah. yeah. And then they have something like a Range Rover or 
anything really. Um, yeah. We always joke. We say it's not instead of, it's as well as. Okay. So, you know, this customer will have an S-Class or a Range Rover or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think that they, they might like that differentiation between the two cars as opposed to having one car that can do everything. I see. But Makes sense, that's yeah. purely speculation. And like you say, it is early days. Um, that's what you're saying, though. McLaren is known as a racing brand. So if you're going to buy it, rather just go for the one that's going to make you feel like a Lewis Hamilton or a Lando Norris um, instead of getting something that's kind of best of both worlds. True. Lando Norris has one of these, though. Hmm. What color? Orange. Um, I think it is orange, yeah. I should <laughs> yeah. know the answer to that question. Um, <laughs> official, official color of McLaren is this orange, yeah. right? Yeah, so that's, it's called McLaren orange. McLaren orange. Um, and a GT looks beautiful in McLaren orange. Um, it's quite interesting because it's not really a luxurious color. It's like a racy color, but it looks really good in McLaren orange. Very cool. So, le- I mean, let's get on to Daytona for uh, for the rest of the, uh, this uh, this piece. And, um, you know, how was business in 2020? You're speaking about 2020, 2021, you know, new car to the market, uh, chip shortage. You know, all those factors could play into, uh, you know, why there are three of them in the, in the country. So, you know, if you really want to drive something that no one else has got, Get a McLaren GT. Um, um, how's business been for Daytona in uh, in the last two years? I mean, yes, COVID nineteen, but that's not been the only blooming thing you know that we that can hang our hat on. There's a lot of other things, you know, like load shedding. Um, uh, uh, how's how's business been for Daytona in the last two years? Yeah, so we we've definitely felt it, um, but it hasn't been awful. So yeah. we the door stayed open, and we still managed to secure another brand. So Lotus is on its way, like I mentioned earlier. Um, so things have definitely been going probably better than expected. Um, yeah. Because in the main, I mean, used car for the last two years has flown. Sh- ship, sh- uh, ship, chip shortages, uh, uh, a fall in new car sales as a result. New car prices increasing has just kind of turned consumers to the used car. Yeah, has the same thing happened in the segment? Um, I don't think so. I think that, you know, people, people are still keen GTs and new cars, so there aren't lots of used GTs flying around. So yeah. if someone wants a GT, they're going to go and buy a GT. Um, but yeah, one, one of the things we have noticed is because there are fewer new cars coming in, we, we don't see as many used cars coming in because obviously when people buy new cars, they then trade in the cars that they have. Yeah. So th- that's been an interesting one to observe. Um, but yeah, business over the last year, year and a bit has it's it's been growing again, um, and we've been doing pretty well. Um, and yeah, it sort of varies per brand as well. So we've had a pretty good spell recently with Rolls Royce. Rolls Royce has been doing quite well. Um, but you know, at the end of the year, we've got McLaren Artura coming, and next year we know that Artura is going to be doing well. That's um, the, so McLaren, the hybrid. Um the new hybrid. That's, that's the hybrid. So keen to get into that uh, into that question. But yeah. uh, but talking about uh, Daytona's future, you know, wh- what are the plans globally, specifically for McLaren, um, and then uh, but more specifically for Daytona? Um, you know, you said uh, you said you've got the you know, supercar kind of seg part of the business, and then you've got the the luxury part of the business, which is almost your everyday. You know, one, two, two million rand cars. Um, uh, are there future plans, or is it just business as usual? Besides Lotus, um, yeah. So obviously, we we hope to grow and grow and grow. Um, and as the brands are changing, I think interesting things are going to happen within the different brand silos. So obviously, McLaren have got we've got hybrids coming with McLaren. Um, Aston Martin, we've got DBX, which is DBX is our SUV that's 
mm. brand new. So that's an interesting new segment that Aston Martin's playing in now. And um, yeah, Rolls Royce is sort of business as usual. Ghost Black Badge is on its way. Um, and then Lotus have got their sort of new era of Lotus that's coming mm. with um, Emira being the last internal combustion Lotus to be made. And you're going to love this. So I'm, I'm sure you know Lotus is now doing, after Emira, it's all going to be electric cars. Mm. And Daytona are really excited to be a part of that. It's going to be really cool to start retailing electric cars and seeing how our customer base sort of reacts to that and responds to electrification. So talking about the, the hybrid um, McLaren, is it, a, is it a, almost a copy-paste of the, of the F1 um, sort of uh, a configuration or is it is it totally different um, so it's very different um, Artura so it's technically our second plug-in hybrid because um, P1 was sort of the yeah, first plug-in initial, hybrid yeah. um, but as a product it's a completely new product so it's built on new architecture it's our new um, it's a new platform um, it's got a brand new engine it's one of it's the first production 120 degree twin turbocharged V6 so the reason it has to be 120 degrees is to put the turbos within the V. Okay. So that hot V that we see in V8s all the time, we're now getting it in a V6. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, you've got a 70 kilowatt um, electric motor. So Artura is going to be quick. It's going to be quicker be than quick. a GT, for example. Um, but you can go for 30 kilometers on pure electric. That's more uh, of a GT sort of setup as well with Artura. Is it going to be more of a race car um, focused? I mean, 70 kilowatt electric motor, sorry, uh, uh, 1D, 70 kilowatt electric motor, including a V6 twin turbocharged engine. I mean, that's lots of power. My iPace is a 90 kilowatt, yeah, uh, I'm full electric. And I, I mean, does zero to 100 in 4.5 seconds, um, which is, which is quick for a, for yeah. a sedan, you know, well, and it, it's a small SUV, uh, pure electric. I mean, compared yeah. to this 3.1 seconds, I can only imagine what 70 kilowatts plus a V6 twin turbo is going to do. Yeah. So, so the V6 motor alone has 584 newton meters. <sighs> Man. And then Damn. on top of that, you've got 225 newton meters from the electric motor. Wow. So, 0 to 100 is 2.9 seconds, <laughs> um, and it's going to top out over 300 k's an hour. So now you're getting into Tesla Plaid territory. Mm. Almost. <laughs> um, and I think that that's where the interesting thing is going to become. As, we're gonna, as we lose the excitement of internal combustion and the noise and the whooshes and turbos and all of that, we are, it's sort of going to be replaced by insane speed and ridiculous acceleration. Mm. Um, the thing that I always laugh at in electric cars is when you plant your foot in, the only thing you can really hear is your belongings being flown around mm. the interior, and that's it. Mm. Um, but they're just so fast. Well, I mean, I told you this morning I almost, uh, almost crashed my, my jack. Um, somebody almost drove into the side of me, so I had to put my foot down to get past him. And uh, my keys are in the center console. You know, it's got this little... Yeah. thing in the center console as I put my foot down the keys flew out of the center console um, and I had to pick it up somewhere in the middle um, you know when I got here so uh, so that that insane kind of initial talk is uh, um, you know yeah. is now going to come to to the McLaren mm. it is so yeah numbers are 500 kilowatts um, and a lot of talk mm. yeah, almost 800 newton meters wow jeez yeah. insane Talking about used car, though, how important is the used car market to Daytona? Very important. Um, yeah, so obviously we, we work on numbers. 
and um, that's exactly it. So we we need to get used cars in to work the numbers game, um, and of course we our, our bread and butter and the core to our business is still Daytona luxury cars, yeah, um, and Daytona Direct. Um, so as much as you know, it's great that we sell and represent these brands. Um, Daytona is really important to us, but then also within those brands, there are the various sort of used car departments. So with McLaren, we've got McLaren Qualified, Aston Martin, you've got Aston Martin Timeless, and Rolls Royce, you've got Rolls Royce Provenance. So with each of those, we you know we you get warranties with the cars, and yeah, it's a to answer your question, yeah, used cars are really important to us as a business. Well, uh, that was um, that was epic, uh, uh, John. Um, any yeah. final thoughts there, Wendy? Hopefully you can bring us another one. Um, not just a GT. Uh, we'll definitely be in touch. But yeah, super thank you. Super thankful to have you here today. It was really interesting. Oh, pleasure. Really great to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's been epic. Uh, that was John Whittle, the assistant brand director for Daytona, South Africa. And uh, that was the McLaren GT. So uh, my name's George Mini. Last time I said has been. Uh, my name's George Mini. <laughs> and uh, it's been Wandile Sishi, and uh, you've been listening to the Auto Trader podcast. We'll see you next time.